0: following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. So um, when I first became a Christian, which was in my um, later teenage years, I, uh, I figured that the Christian life was going to be a relatively easy and straightforward thing. You know, before I became a follower of Jesus Christ, I loved to uh, debate and interact with uh, Christians because I figured that uh, they weren't very um, sure about what they believed. I wasn't totally convinced that what they believed was actually true to any degree. And I really just enjoyed challenging them in their faith. And that was great as far as I was concerned. I really found it was good to be able to do that. So eventually I did become a Christian, much to my, um, I guess, unbelief, or through my unbelief, and I'm sure to the the astonishment of other people as well. But when I became a Christian, I figured that basically it was going to be relatively easy to live the Christian life. I figured that all I needed to do was read the Bible once, perhaps twice, uh, start attending church on a sort of semi-regular basis, Uh, address perhaps one or two minor issues in my life, and I was going to have the Christian life pretty much nailed. Um, In fact, if you were to graph how I thought it was going to look, it would be like uh, hopefully what will appear up there soon. So this is what I figured my spiritual life was going to be like. You know, become a believer in Jesus Christ, quickly figure it all out, get it all sussed, get to this idea of being this perfect Christian, and just live my life... Uh, and everything would be uh, great. Uh, well, some of you are probably laughing, because as you can probably guess, that wasn't quite how it worked out in practice. And I quickly discovered that the Christian life was not quite as easy and straightforward as what I thought it was going to be. So I guess I revised my growth plan. So if you look up here, this is growth plan B, which, as you can see, is a little bit more realistic, um, But as we'll see as we continue in the service today, um, might still be um, a little bit on the ambitious side. So I, I knew by now that it was going to take a little bit of time, it was going to take a little bit of effort, and it was a little bit more involved as far as that was concerned. I needed to grow and mature in my Christian faith and that God was going to help me to be able to do that. And you know the Apostle Paul was the same as far as. It was there's a number of places throughout the, uh, the scriptures where the Apostle Paul talks about what it means to be a follower of Christ, and specifically what it means to go on to maturity in Christ. And one of those passages is in Colossians chapter one. So if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Colossians chapter one. But before I read the passage, I just want to paint a bit of a picture in regards to what went on as some background to that particular Uh, letter that the Apostle Paul was writing. So what we see in this particular letter was the Apostle Paul was writing from Rome. And if you have a look, I've got a map up there. So he was writing from Rome, and he was writing to this church of new believers, and he was uh, trying to help them and encourage them in their Christian faith. Paul had made a number of missionary journeys uh, and eventually he ended up, because of his faith, in prison. And that was where he was when he wrote this particular um, this letter. So when he wrote this, he was being persecuted for his faith. He was spending time in jail. And so you can see up there the timeline there as far as when this all occurred. So we, we think he probably wrote this in the early 60s. And he was in jail. So he was this... Uh, believer in Christ who had been going around the nine world at that stage, teaching people about Jesus Christ, seeing new churches grow and develop, and because of his faith, he was put into jail and he was involved in writing a number of letters to the believers uh, from his position in jail, and that was what he was doing. So one of the interesting things that took place as far as that was concerned is what he wrote to them about, and really one of the problems that these believers at Colossae had is that they were really threatening the truth of the gospel and that they were challenging who Jesus Christ really was, they were questioning whether they could actually become um, redeemed or transformed into what Jesus wanted them to be by his blood on the cross, and they were debating what it meant to be a believer and all the things they needed to do. And it was in this particular context that we read this passage in Colossians chapter 1, and if you look at verse uh, 24, And this is what it says. It says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I will fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's sacrifices for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission of God given me to present to you the word of God in fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations that is now disclosed in the Lord's people. To them God has made... Chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of the mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ powerfully works in me. So we can see in this particular passage that there's a couple of things that are really going on here. Paul understood that he had a responsibility, and we see, broadly speaking, he had a responsibility. He sought to do two things. One of those things was that he was presenting the Word of God to the people, and the second thing that he was to do was that he was to present each and every believer to be mature in Christ. And that was really what a lot of the uh, book of uh, Colossians is about is it's about what's involved in understanding the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ it's about understanding what it means to be a mature believer in Jesus Christ so a couple of things that I just want to focus on firstly the fact of knowing the word of God and in the first part of this passage here Paul believed his first responsibility what God had commissioned to do was to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord so this whole idea of the proclamation of the gospel was what Paul was all about. And if you were to think about the Apostle Paul, those of you that know anything about him, what was he known for? He was known for traveling about the known world at that particular time and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through the proclamation of that gospel, people would come to know him and people would become followers of him. And that was what Paul's ministry was characterized by for much of his ministry. And that, so that we can see in this particular passage that even though he's undergoing suffering and hardship and trouble, he was still committed to the truth of Jesus Christ and to presenting the truth of Jesus Christ to everyone at that particular time. And one of the interesting things it talks about there is, is this whole idea, of, it talks about being a mystery. You see there a couple of times it talks about this idea of a mystery. And really it was a bit of a mystery to those people. We might not think of it as being a mystery today. But there's a couple of things that took place with the proclamation of the gospel that were completely unknown to the believers at that time. Firstly, the fact that this truth of Jesus Christ, this gospel, this good news, was actually available to people other than Jews. If you think about it, up until that particular point, it was only the Jewish people that were the ones that were able to benefit from the word of God. They were the only ones that were able to come into relationship with God. So that was one thing that was that was part of the mystery that was being revealed, is the fact that not only you Jews, but also you Gentiles could now become followers of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but my hunch would be that the majority of people here today, if not all of the people here today, would have come from what would be classified as being Gentiles. So if you were to go back as far as that's concerned, we're the ones that have benefited from the truth of the gospel, because it's available to all people. And then the second part of it, which again was quite unique, was this whole idea that Christ is in you. That we have the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And again, that was something that was so foreign to the people at that particular time. You know, In Old Testament times, you could worship God, you could go along to the temple, you could present your sacrifices. All of those things could be done. But ultimately, that whole idea of that personal relationship with the living God was something that was quite unique and quite different to what had been experienced previously. We, for Christ, as Christians today, take for granted the fact that the Holy Spirit will empower us and enable us to live the life that God wants us to live. That idea was totally foreign as far as the uh, Old Testament believers were concerned. They didn't have the indwelling power of the Spirit on a day-to-day basis to enable them to live the life that God wanted them to live. So we can see here that The word of God is proclaimed by Paul and that the mystery of Jesus Christ is revealed there. So we are familiar with the idea of Paul being a missionary, but he was concerned about proclamation of the gospel. But the other thing, and the thing that I really want to focus on today, is the fact that he was also concerned about ensuring that people become mature in Jesus Christ. So not only was the proclamation of the gospel important, the good news of Jesus Christ, but also the fact he was concerned that he wanted people to mature in Christ as well and to become transformed into the image of Jesus Christ as well. Paul saw that the Christian ministry is about the maturity of the saints. So our aim even today as Christians is not just to win people to Jesus Christ, as good as that may be, but it's also to bring them on to maturity in Jesus Christ as well. And we must ensure that not only do we lead people to know Jesus Christ as their Saviour, but we also help them to grow towards maturity in Jesus Christ as well. To be completely mature in Jesus Christ is what is being talked about here in this particular passage. And one of the things that I guess is uh, unfortunate in some ways is that Paul doesn't actually give you a simple 10-step program about these are the things you must do to become mature in Christ. He doesn't give you all of the things that you need to do to become mature in Jesus Christ. Uh, And unfortunately, maturity in Jesus Christ is not like the first graph that I showed you, a process that was going to take me a short period of time. You know, read the Bible once or twice, go to church, deal with a few issues, and that was going to be it. But there is a lot that the Scriptures do have to say about maturity in Jesus Christ and we will look at some of those from Colossians today and see what's involved as far as that's concerned. But I guess it raises a whole of other questions as far as that's concerned. And one of the first questions that we need to think about is, so what is Christian maturity? And the reality is that Christian maturity is quite difficult to tie down. If you think about maturity, it's something that, in some areas we can see very clearly. So if it's physical maturity, then clearly there are obvious indicators of what physical maturity looks like. You can clearly see that I am older than some of you are, which indicates certain things. So you can clearly see some of the indicators as far as physical maturity is concerned. You can also uh, think about things like uh, intellectual maturity, and some of the things that may be involved as far as that is concerned, or emotional maturity. Uh, All of those sorts of things are clear, and with some of those things like physical maturity we can obviously see, but even things like intellectual and moral uh, maturity, we could quickly have some discussions with people, and we could get some fairly good indicators fairly quickly in terms of where they're at in terms of their intellectual and moral maturity. But when it comes to something like Spiritual maturity, Christian maturity, what do you do? Where do you go for that? If I was to ask um, half a dozen people up here this morning, don't worry, I'm not going to do that, and was to say which of these is the most spiritually mature of those people, what would you say and how would you know that those people are Spiritually mature or spiritually immature? Interesting question, isn't it? How would you determine someone's spiritual maturity? And I guess related to that is what are some of the things that we do to become spiritually mature? And this is probably some of the things that the, um, that the Apostle Paul was beginning to hone in on in, in the book of Colossians and, and a number of other books as well. The Apostle Paul calls people to be, to be mature. And one of the critical things that I think is important here, and it's emphasised a couple of times in this passage that we're looking at, is that idea of being in Christ. So the first step to becoming mature is that we must be in Christ. So in the sense of becoming mature we can only become mature when we are in Christ's people. So firstly, we have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So to be mature as a Christian is not about knowing lots of stuff, because there are lots of people that probably know more stuff about Christianity than what most of us in this room will ever know. So it's not just knowing stuff, but it's firstly and most importantly that whole idea of being in Christ, that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the first step to maturity. We must have our sins forgiven by Jesus Christ. We must have received Jesus Christ as our Saviour. And we must be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I guess um, to my credit that even though my first graph might have been uh, significantly inadequate, I did actually have the first step right because I did understand that to become mature in Christ I actually had to be in Christ. I had to be a believer in Jesus Christ. So we can see there that that if we look at this passage it talks about that. So if you look in uh, verse 28 it says we proclaim Christ so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So it's only logical that if Christians are to come to maturity in Christ they have to be firstly in relationship with Christ. And then from that point we can worship him, we can trust him, we can obey him and we can have a clearer understanding of what it is to be a Christ follower. So to be mature in Christ we firstly have to know him and understand him and be in relationship with him. So if we want to develop a mature relationship with Jesus Christ I think one of the critical things is and it's already come out a number of times in our service today is it's having a clear picture of who this Jesus Christ is. And I don't think it's any coincidence that if we were to back up a couple of verses in um, Colossians chapter 1, what does it say starting in verse 15? Hopefully it's up there for you to have a look through. It says this, The Son, that's Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his bloodshed on the cross. So you can see that one of the critical things for us to become mature in Christ is to have a good understanding about who Jesus Christ really is. We don't understand who Jesus Christ really is, then we are never going to be able to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's why Paul was so concerned about proclaiming the gospel of God, about proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ, because he knew that people needed to understand who God is, specifically who Jesus Christ is. So, because of who he is, the image and fullness of God, and because of what he has done, we can have a relationship with him. So, in effect, Jesus Christ has that double supremacy He's head of the universe, creator of all things, He's also head of the church. And in him, all things hold together. So nothing is more important for mature Christian discipleship than a clear, true vision of the authentic Jesus. And that's why when we come to church, we spend so much time talking about Jesus. It's because the reality is that the centre part of our faith is an understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what it means to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Because as we know and understand that, then we can begin to be the people that God wants us to be. So having a true understanding of Jesus Christ is critical. We need to see that it is there for us and that we need to be following Jesus Christ. So who is to be mature in Christ? And I guess this is one of the things that's quite interesting in this particular passage is on a couple of occasions it talks about the fact that this is for everyone. So Christian maturity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it also talks about the fact that, and it says that a number of times in in this passage we're looking at, is the Christian maturity is for everyone. So it's not something that, that you can say, well, that's okay for you guys that are, you know, stand up the front. You're supposed to be mature in Christ. But me as a person that just sits in the pew, I don't have a responsibility to be mature in Christ. Unfortunately... Or well, fortunately, it talks about the fact that everyone is to be mature in Christ. There's nothing special about anyone. We are all to be mature in Christ. We're all to be pursuing that relationship with Jesus Christ. We're all to be seeking maturity in Jesus Christ. So I think it's important that we see that Paul's pastoral goal in this passage was the fact that he wanted to see people grow and mature in Christ. Yes, he was of the man's list, and he wanted to see people to be to come to know Jesus Christ, but he also wanted to see people grow and mature in Jesus Christ. So there's two sides to the picture. One is the evangelist proclaiming the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. The second is the pastor seeing people come to maturity in Jesus Christ. Everyone is to be mature in Christ. And it's the same for us as as believers today that we have that double responsibility, we have a responsibility both in our own lives to know the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ and to grow towards maturity in Jesus Christ, but we also have the responsibility to be able to share that as well with other people and to see them to grow to maturity in Christ. So on a practical basis then, what do we know and how do we become mature in Christ? Um, I love this next quote that I'm going to um, read to you. Um, it's by this guy called Mike Iaconelli who wrote this this, uh, little tiny book, and it's called Messy Spirituality. And uh, I think it's a very appropriate title, uh, at least for my life, if not yours. And this is what he said about spirituality. He says, "'What landed Jesus on the cross "'was the preposterous idea "'that common, ordinary, broken, screwed-up people "'could be godly. "'What drove Jesus' enemies crazy "'were his criticisms of the perfect religious people,' and his acceptance of the imperfect, non-religious people. The shocking implication of Jesus' ministry is that anyone can be spiritual. Scandalous? Maybe. Maybe truth is scandalous. Maybe the scandal is that all of us in some condition of not-togetherness, even those of us who are trying to be godly, maybe we're all a mess. Not only sinful messy, but inconsistent messy. Up and down messy, and, and out messy Now I believe, now I don't messy I get it, now I don't get it messy I understand uh, now I don't understand messy I don't know about you but that portrays a lot about where my Christian life is I wish I could say if we go to the next slide that was what I thought it was going to be like when I became a believer, quickly I would become mature in Christ next slide This was my next attempt at it. The third slide, which is what I think Iaconelli's talking about, is actually probably what it's really like, is it's up and down at the labour pace. Sometimes I'm making really good progress. I'm doing really, really well, seeing lots of growth and maturity in my Christian life. Other times, uh, if I'm honest, I'm probably uh, going more backwards than forwards. And that's exactly what um, is talked about in this book, Messy, spirituality, that we are all messed up to some degree or another. Some of you may be more messed up than others, but all of us are messed up in our spiritual life to some degree or another. We don't all have it together, even though we might like to. In fact, Yakinelli went on uh, to come up with his four points, which I love these four points. Uh, his four points for unspiritual growth, unprinciples of erratic discipleship. Um... These apply to me. And this is what he says. Uh, Spiritual growth encompasses a lifetime of decisions. Hundreds, probably thousands of decisions make up spiritual growth. Some move us closer to God. Some move us further away from God. Secondly, he says that spiritual growth looks looks different for each one of us. It would be nice if I was able to say, here are the five things you need to do to become mature in Christ. Go and follow this. Do these things. Come back and see me. Uh, in three months' time, and you'll be all sorted. Not quite that simple. I wish it was that simple. Thirdly, give God 60%. The point he's making here is that give him something. We would all like to say, I'm going to give him everything. But if we're honest, for some of us, 60% would be... Really good. And then fourthly, he says, reluctant growth is still spiritual growth. The reality is that at times we are resistant to grow, but growth is growth. We need to see that we are growing and that we are maturing. But at times we don't really know what we're we're doing or how we're going to achieve it. I love this next little uh, quote up here. Uh, And it just talks about the fact that um, you know sometimes, as much as we say we're Christians, as much as we think God's in the picture, uh, I think this little child captures it. Dear God, I think about you sometimes even when I'm not praying. Uh, And I think for many of us, this this illustrates our spiritual path, that uh, we might think about God when we're praying, but in actual reality, we're not thinking about him a whole lot of the rest of the time. So let me flip around what Iaconelli said and and give us uh, some four principles for spiritual growth. Try and do things in in a slightly positive way. So firstly, uh, spiritual growth involves many decisions, actions and habits. Like I said, there's no one way to becoming mature in Christ. I wish there was, because if there was, I would find it first and then i will give it to you. I'd probably be able to sell it to you and make a fortune. But anyway, there's uh, there's there's no one thing that's involved in it but there are lots of things that we can do that will help us to grow and to become more mature in Christ. I um, got the survey result just uh, this week in the mail, and it gave us the 10 things that these people said helped them most in their spiritual growth. So I want to share these 10 things with you. They may be of help to you, they may not be of help to you, but think about these 10 things as a way that you can experience spiritual growth. So, top ten things. Firstly, attending church worship services. You guys are past number one. You're here this morning. The reality is, is that one of the reasons that we gather together, the scriptures tell us that we should gather together to encourage one another, to spur one another on to work, uh, good works, and because it's an opportunity for us to learn more about God and to be able to worship God together. So, a critical fact of growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ is simply attending church regularly together. Secondly, regular prayer. Uh, we've talked about prayer, you know, even the example that Graham gave us about prayer. And at times we pray because we know it's the right thing to do. And uh, we're not really sure whether God's going to answer our prayers, but uh, we need to pray and we need to be in relationship with Christ through prayer. And so the number two thing that these people said when they looked at what help them grow in their spiritual life It was regular prayer thirdly, quiet time regular time with God on a daily basis, spending time in God's word, spending time communing with him it's important that we do that and there's lots of different ways about achieving that particular goal but time and time again we can see throughout scriptures the need of being able to spend time regularly in communion with God Fourthly, studying the Bible on your own. You know, reading God's Word is great. It's important. You need to do that. But also we need to take it the next step as well. We actually need to go in a little bit deeper. Don't just read on the surface, but actually at times go a little bit deeper and spend time um, digging into God's Word and understanding what it says. Fifthly, listening to Christian music. Now I'm sure this didn't include Christian music, Country, but any other music? Hey. It did? Oh, okay, okay. Um, but, so listening to Christian music is actually a really good thing to, uh, that these people found because it helps them to be able to, again, it's getting our thoughts upon the things of God. It's been able to understand the things about God. It's been able to focus us upon worship and those sorts of things. So listening to Christian music is actually a good thing that we should be doing. Um, in fact why don't you come on to Festival 1 where you have a whole weekend of really good Christian music Uh, sixth meditating on scripture so we can read God's word but specifically meditating on it is where we actually think about it more we see how it applies specifically to our lives and what are some of the implications in our lives and we actually sit and savour the word of God and understand the implications uh, next, attending the fellowship or life group. Uh, we as a church really would encourage all of you to be involved in, a, in some form of life group. And number of you are, but if you're not, this is a great opportunity that you can learn God's word, have fellowship with other believers, and you can grow and mature in your Christian faith. If you're not part of a life group, um, I would strongly encourage you to consider joining one. There's information over there about them, and it's a great opportunity that you can help to grow and mature in your Christian faith. Uh, eighthly, scripture memorisation. Um, I don't know about you, but when I first became a Christian, I uh, was involved with the Navigators. anyone been involved in the Navigators? And one of the things that they really promoted was scripture memory. So as a new believer, I spent lots of time learning scripture, understanding it through that particular method, and it was great, really helpful as far as that's concerned. Ninthly, talked about listening to podcasts. We spend so much time in our society today with time that we're not fully engaged. So when you're in the car, listen to a podcast. When you're doing things that don't require all of your attention, some of you in the work environment can do that. Listen to a podcast. It's a great opportunity. You know, as, as a church, our sermons are put onto our website so you can listen to them as podcasts. There's lots of really other good ones out there as well to, to do that. And tenthly, it talks about the idea there of, of meeting with a spiritual mentor. Meet with somebody who's more mature in their Christian faith, who can uh, help you to grow And there's lots of people in our congregation that would be willing to do that. So if you are a a Christian that's wanting to meet with somebody who's more mature in your Christian faith, we can help you to to find that. if it's the other way around. We would love to be able to connect people up together. So make sure that you you do that. So those are 10 ideas that were given. So those were the 10 top ideas from this particular survey. Great ideas. Think about how you could apply those. So next, moving on, um, we talked about the fact, next point up there is um, we talked about the fact that spiritual growth involves different disciplines and actions. Secondly, spiritual growth is different for each of us. And that's why I've tried to give you a whole lot of different ideas rather than saying this is the only way to do it. Because it is different for each one of us. Some of us are more quiet and like to do things on our own. Some of us like to be able to meet with other people and do things with other people. Try different things out. See what works. Have some variety as far as it's concerned. I know, as far as I'm concerned, things like my quiet time, I like to have some variety because I get bored doing the same thing week in and week out. So I have a variety of different things that I will do and I will change and flip them around over a period of time. Some people have been doing the same thing for 40 years because that's the way that they operate. So just keep that in mind. There are different things to to do. Uh, Next, give God your best. Even though Iaconelli said 60% was enough, I'd like to encourage us to give it our best. For some of us, 60% will be that. For other of us, we might be able to, to raise the stand a little bit more. But give God your best. Make sure that you do all that you can for God and allow him to work in you and to give God your best. And fourthly... The reality is that growth is growth and that we need to be mindful of the fact that we need to thank God for the growth that comes and to continue to look for opportunities to grow. The Christian life is talked about as being a race that we need to set our eyes upon Jesus and continue to run the race. So it takes time, it takes effort, but we need to acknowledge the growth that takes place and we need to continue to move towards the the things that God wants us to be. God uses different things in our lives to help us to grow and to be mature in our Christian faith. This next particular quote up here I like. This is what Rick Warren says. God changes caterpillars into butterflies, sand into pearls, and coal into diamonds. Using time and pressure, he's working on you too. And the reality is God works on us in different ways, and he can use those things and the circumstances around us all of those to help us to become more like the people that he wants us to be. And he will and he continues to work in us. So we can continue to learn to be the people that God wants us to be. We can continue to be the sort of people that are growing and maturing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think it's summed up really nicely in that last slide that's uh, coming up now which is in the message version of the Bible. It says to be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. That's what it's about, focusing upon Jesus Christ, allowing God's word to change us and to transform us and being the people that he wants us to be. Let's pray together. Father, we do want to thank you so much that you have called us, each one as believers, To be mature in you, Lord. And Father, we pray that as we spend time together as your people today, as we spend time in your word, as we spend time praying, that you would help us to understand you better, that you would help us to understand how you would have us to live, and that you would help us to be the people that you would have us to be, that we may all become mature in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be the people that you would have us to be. Help us to grow in our maturity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shore Community Church, visit www.shore.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 9 415 0455. Thank you for listening.